the show where we bring you movie news, reviews, and insights right here on our podcast. I'm Dylan Martin. On this episode, we are kicking off October due to technical difficulties. We'll be calling this the Cursed Kaiju episode. And I cannot talk about kaijus without bringing on some experts here. I think you guys are both have masters in kaijuology. Am I correct? <laughs> uh <laughs> I wouldn't call it a, so much of a master's so much as a like an unhealthy obsession. That that sounds about right. I get I get a degree <laughs> if I could. For those who don't recognize those voices, we have Jalen. Hello. And Emmanuel. Hey there. They were on our previous episodes, uh, the Godzilla episode, and of course the Godzilla versus Kong, and just uh, we cannot talk about monsters, giant monsters, without bringing them to on unfortunately uh jackson cannot be here with us uh he actually got crushed by one of the kaijus we're going to talk about today i cannot reveal which kaiju i'm going to leave that up to you the listeners uh so give us a comment which kaiju do you think jackson got crushed by i guess say which one i hope it is um (laughs) (laughs) but uh let's lay some ground uh rules dylan if i'm not mistaken uh, the plural of kaiju is just kaiju (laughs) My bad. See, I'm, I'm me and Jackson. Jackson, were here. We are both uh, newbies to the kaiju community. We we are uh, from a different pond, so uh, we have to bring you two on to talk about it. And we will talk about. Uh, well, I guess ground rules again. We all picked our own kaiju movie to talk about today. And uh, when we get to Jackson's, we'll talk about it. But just first off, thank you all of you for bringing such a variety of kaiju movies to talk about not what i expected um and (laughs) i guess we'll talk about it later when we get there but maybe would you recommend any of these movies to a first time kaiju enthusiast that wants to get into it uh yes great (laughs) because that's that's me that's that's how i got introduced to kaiju movies aside from godzilla Uh, i think jalen you're the one that said we should talk about non-toho kaiju movies uh yeah uh, absolutely i wanted to bring attention to uh some of the efforts put out by uh by other studios especially uh godzilla's rival as uh yes he's known as but we'll get to him when we get to him yes and let me start off with my pick here actually was recommended by jalen and you can find this one free on youtube whether or not i recommend it we'll talk about that but the first movie we're talking about here is a Daimajin, and this came out in 1966 from the uh, Dei Motion Pictures. Dai Dai Dai, and this would be considered the 60s were a pretty big decade for kaiju movies, wouldn't you guys say? That was, oh, yeah. I would say, the golden era. And for those who don't know about this movie, uh, it's it's a period drama. It takes place in a remote island that goes under uh, political mutiny. And it just so happens to have this giant statue that's a samurai god, a mountain god that they pray to. And whether or not he awakes to save this village, uh, well, uh, we're not going to spoil it for you. But uh, that's pretty much the premise of this movie. I mean, what do you think happens? i hate to be that guy but uh (laughs) the movie's name is the movie literally is called a giant demon (laughs) (laughs) i was going to actually ask you about dai and then majin because it's a combination of two words right and i think majin is 
devil or demon. Yeah. That, that's what it was called. So doing that, I was kind of confused as to whether or not that statue was a good person or not. But they refer to the statue as a, a mountain god. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, I, I'm so happy I got to watch this movie first. Uh, I, I thought it was uh, just a great uh, start to my kaiju journey. Yeah. And, oh, my goodness, I, I'm going to rave about this movie. Okay, uh, I'm glad lot. you like it. When he said, I'll get into whether or not I liked it, I was getting a bit nervous. I was like, oh, man, does did he like Daimajin? <laughs> and I'm not going to say because it was my pick, but it's probably my favorite from the discussion where, like, the other movies. This that one, is... by far, is my favorite. First off, the movie is, like, it's Game of Thrones mm-hmm. right off the bat. People are dying left and right. The, this kingdom is falling right before our eyes. Again, they, they just say, hey, you're going to upset the mountain god already. Already foreshadowing something going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're already involved in what's going on in this family, in this royal family and uh, the betrayals that's going on. And every great monster movie always has great human characters. Our villain is just an a-hole yes this guy when he takes over the kingdom he has just bad policies <laughs> he first he wants to build a wall he wants to stop the rituals to make the god happy why would you do that mm-hmm. i'm getting a little ahead of myself emmanuel what did you think of daimajin have you seen it before or was this your first time so it was i it was like my second time and the only reason why I realized it was the second time watching it was because I remember watch, uh, catching this on sci-fi when I was a kid. And around that like late 90s, 2000s, I, was, I guess I was around the time that um, sci-fi had gotten a bunch of um, rights to show a lot of these kaiju films, both like old and modern. So we were getting a lot of Heisei and whatnot. And I remember watching that and, and not not thinking anything of it. And then revisiting it for all of this the one big thing that stuck out to me and and Jalen and I were talking about this uh before the show started and that was just like the the how how they were able to give you a comparison in size and build the scale in a film that came out in 1966 you know and and it just it just blows me away the the type of compositing that they do um in terms of the shots because I'm I was absolutely floored by how clean it looked and some of the shots. I think back to um, like Attack on Titan when I was watching it and I told Jalen this. I was like, yeah, some of these shots that I was seeing in the film, I was like, man, I, now I know where like Attack on Titan got this. Like there, there's like a whole like sweeping shot of men charging yeah. the the big kaiju monster. And, and I, I, I remember watching it now and I was like, man, that's, this looks good. And I was like, but it also reminds me of this. And then I'm like, well, I mean, this came out first. So I could see where a lot of inspiration is showing up there. In terms of the the story itself, I was uh, pleasantly surprised, like you were saying, how the, the story has a lot of really great characters. And I was very compelled by the villain of the story because it just gets straight into, okay, here, we're following this. Everything else is consequential of what happens with these people and how they treat each other. And the the monster and the title itself, I feel in a way is it's a it, it's a double entendre to like the people and what happens later in the movie and the monster yeah. itself. 
um, and and I won't go further than that. But that's those are my thoughts on watching that film again. And of course, let me just say I love the music in that movie. And and I guess it's maybe because I'm older now and I pay attention to these things. But I was like, I really really like this. Loved the music of this movie. Uh, a lot of things stuck out to me, especially that shot that Emmanuel was talking about. The sweeping shot of the man going towards the living statue now yeah. and i guess we're already at the end of the movie we'll, we'll bring it back but yeah. yes that shot stunned me at how great it looked still today i know they do a lot of matte paintings which yes. the matte painting with the statue afar is already iconic to me mm-hmm. it's a beautiful matte painting i don't know if they have it saved somewhere in a museum but Unfortunately, uh, not, I think, because I know Dye went bankrupt a long time ago. And oh, man. I imagine most of that is lost now. Although Daimajin himself is making a little bit of a comeback because Dye started making movies again. They're, uh, oh gosh, what is his name? He did the Ace Attorney movie, he did the Yakuza movie, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure movie. Um, T- uh, Takashi Miike. He is doing okay. another, this is another, uh, this is another kaiju franchise called mm-hmm. Yokai War. And they're okay. doing another installment of that. And it, it's a kid's franchise. It's a kid's fantasy franchise. But uh, front and center on the poster of the latest Yokai War is Daimashin himself. So this has been the okay. first time he's been in a movie since uh, the last Daimashin movie way back when. Emmanuel, you, you were talking about the music. Do you know who did the music for this? No, I do not. It's a very distinct sound. It's a very uh, unique sound that only Akira Ifukube can really do. Composer of Godzilla. As we that makes know. my soul really happy. <laughs> it did sound really reminiscent. It does now. now that yep. I think, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to jump back into the story a little bit. So the person who betrays the king, I guess, here in this scenario is mm-hmm. Lord uh, Odate Samanosuke. And yeah. yeah, like I said, when he's just saying, stop the rituals, which in my head, I'm like, already the first bad policy right there. Why would you even stop that to begin with? Uh, and then building a wall and just being a, a, an a-hole. But the guy who stands out to me is his right-hand man, mm-hmm. uh, Gun uh, Jiro, which was giving me huge Tasu vibes from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. The right-hand man to Shredder. Yeah. Like, he was, he was just like this big husky guy just mean face all the time and i loved it and also the auntie uh shinobu Mm -hmm. who is just a delight in this movie and uh her journey in this movie too because this movie does a big uh time jump the kids of the royal family soon grow up and uh they're gonna seek revenge and take back their kingdom uh but the the cast is just all around great Mm -hmm. And just how serious everyone took it, uh, it down to its production. Yes. Uh, like Emmanuel was saying how the shots, uh, some of these shots are, uh, even aside from the sweeping shot of the men going towards uh, Daimajin, there's some beautiful shots in this movie, uh, just very scenic and uh, very ominous, especially when it comes to our giant yeah. here. Uh, just the way they treat him too, the presence of him even before he's awakened spoilers mm-hmm. he awakens down to when they 
they give him a big old nail on the forehead, and the nail even gets then used. you're. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the thing about Daimajin that I've always admired is that it's treated as a period drama first, kaiju movie second, which I mm-hmm. I, I found to be very interesting because they uh, Daie wanted it wanted Daimajin to stand in stark contrast with its other big kaiju, which was Gamera. And so it was two different teams doing it, essentially. And so the um, the Daimajin team uh, really wanted to set themselves apart from the Gamera team, because the Gamera team was making kid movies. The uh, Daimajin team wanted to make something that could be taken uh, very seriously. And so they treated it as uh, this uh, almost a Shakespearean drama first with because the the kaiju action doesn't really happen until like the the last uh 10 minutes and yeah. uh fun tidbit it was the last thing shot two weeks before the movie premiered <laughs> wow really yes but you know wow. that says a lot about like how much i like i'm i'm curious about how much uh pre-production was happening i mean you you think about some of the scenes that were happening during that last act and and especially when like, you know, the statues interacting with people and uh, like you, you see the hand and everything. And it's just like what what kind of planning was going into there? How long did they have it ready for it to just be like, OK, two weeks before before we we release this, we're going to shoot all this. Well, it, it wasn't done until uh, the, oh, the, the statue of Daimajin himself uh, is to scale. He is as big as he appears in the movie, wow. <laughs> essentially, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so it took a while for him to be completed. So that's why they it had to be the absolute last thing Makes they did. Because unlike other uh, kaiju movies, there was not two separate teams handling the monster action and the human drama. It was the same team handling both which is why it looks so damn good. Those sets aren't miniatures. They're uh they're built to scale. They essentially built a um uh, you know in a sound stage. And so they had Dimension actually go around tearing it all down. It was it looks great. Just cuz we're talking about like that last act, that last 10 minutes of Dimension doesn't it's, take away yeah. from uh what happens all before that. The scale too uh, I, I know back then, you know, it, it, now it's like a privilege to have more than 100 people in the same place when it comes to sets and extras and all that. But, man, these people were committed to this movie. Uh, I just want to highlight Take. Mm-hmm. I think that was a little kid's name. He, he was fresh off the uh, Mad Max yeah, yeah, yeah. set. He was great. Uh, he even was rocking that Tina Turner moment. <laughs> Kojenta, who uh, the actor, whoever plays Kojenta, he's like the Obi Wan. Is that the that that's a samurai, right? The samurai that's in there. He, oh, he's the, the one, one that like is he? Yeah, he's the one that saves the kids. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he comes back, and they just have him hanging around when he gets caught. The the, the uh, passion. When I was watching it, I was getting when when I was watching it specifically on 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 those scenes when everything's getting all rated up and whatnot. I was thinking of like Dune, and I don't know if that's because Dune's coming up, but those were some of the vibes I was getting off of that uh, on that particular scene when when um when he's helping out the kids and everybody's getting all messed up and whatnot from that raid or the the assassination. Yeah, yeah, and and 
it, it just it's I think you all hit it on the point like hit hit the nail on the head that it's it's very much a Shakespearean in in that sense and I I think I would want to I would want to like revisit it if for anything but to see those particular scenes again because I the more I think about it the more I make connections to films that came out after and so I feel like there's a lot of inspiration from just this and after watching it I didn't know that there were there were other films till maybe like a week ago yes and I was like oh there's a there's another one the uh the unfortunate thing is there's two more they don't quite reach the highs uh, of okay. this dimension because they're essentially the same story each time gotcha it's a, it's an it's a new uh new royal family it's a new mutiny and of course the ending is Damagen comes to wreak havoc so it's like home alone 2 lost in new york that's what they did with Damagen. <laughs> But that's not to say that they're not without their merit. They're still uh, they're still unique in their own way. It's just mm-hmm. expect to follow those familiar beats. Yeah, I do want to re well just continue the trilogy, but most importantly, like Emmanuel, revisit this one. I think this is the one I would watch uh, multiple times after compared to the other ones. Not taking away anything away from the other movies, but I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. I'm glad you did. I'm, I'm, I'm. That makes me very happy to hear because I remember during Wizard of Oz, uh, constantly like, hey, uh, you know, uh, it's free on YouTube if you. If you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said a, a statue, a samurai statue comes to life. I'm like, I'm in. That, that's, I'm sold. Mm-hmm. And then the again, like the whole royal family aspect, uh, like this political period drama, came about, and I was like, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all in. It's yeah. great. So I would definitely recommend it, of course. I'm sure you two would as well. Oh, absolutely. I th- I think this one's a good one to recommend if, like, you got, like, your your dad who only ever watches, like, old period movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you could even recommend it to someone who, who's, like, a, a scholar in Greek tragedy, right? Oh, and, yeah. Okay. And be, and be like, hey, uh, look at how... Uh, Look at how it can this format can be interpreted by other cultures and how uh, universal storytelling really is. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to be it for uh, Dimension. And All right. So that's let's... it for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to venture off of Japan and across the pond. Well, not really the pond. Uh, we're going to take a 12-hour flight to England. <laughs> and I believe this was Bloody Emmanuel's. Hell. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was Emmanuel's pick here. Uh, Emmanuel, you want to uh, tell us what your pick was? So my pick was a Monster Calls. What what I thought was interesting about all the films that were picked out, just in general, were how diverse and how much they deviate from what the typical kaiju movie is. Because if you if if we were to just bring up the term kaiju in front of everybody, uh, just like general moviegoers or just friends around us or colleagues around us those that are aware of what kaijus are, they're going to think, you know, Godzilla, King Kong, and that that's it. But oftentimes, um, you know, we, we have these movies that come out where there's a there's a bigger story happening in there than just the monster. And, and uh, Daimajin is an example of that, as is A Monster Calls. And A Monster Calls takes more of a coming-of-age approach to it all. And, and I think that's really interesting because this will kind of flow right into when we talk about Gamera as well. 
Yes, actually, I, I when I saw these two on the list, they they fit so nicely, right? Yep, they fit really nicely. Um, so when concerning a monster calls, a monster calls for those of you who have never seen it, it's uh, it's about a boy who is uh, visited by a monster who looks like a uh, a, dry, a giant tree, a giant walking tree, aka it's Groot's pappy. It could be Groot's pappy, um, <laughs> and it's voiced by Liam Neeson. Uh, so, I mean, it's Liam Neeson's voice. You're not going to go wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And so this boy is being visited by this monster, and uh, he doesn't really understand why the monster is visiting him and telling him stories. But what's happening, aside from these visitations, is that the boy is having to deal with changes in his life, specifically the coming death of his mother. She's terminally ill, and the movie establishes this like within the first 10 minutes. So you know what's going to happen at the end. The boy knows what's going to happen at the end. And so you go on this this uh, mental adventure with the kid and this uh, monster and the days leading up to his mother's passing. Uh, and the director here is... Jay Bayona. Who directed, I mean, most would know Jurassic World, the second one, right? Yes. The second Jurassic World movie. Yes. Wait, what the hell happened there then? And I don't know. <laughs> that that was like, that was the biggest shock for me. I will say that he has a certain look when it comes to his uh, cinematography. And a lot of mm. that translated well into Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, but, I mean, his storytelling and his directing in this one is just such a contrast that, yeah, yeah I don't know what happened. But if you were no, to watch it's this, and, personal versus franchise. Right? Yeah, I, I, I think that's exactly what that is. You're right. But yeah, so with him working on this, and then you have a cast in there. You have uh, what's his name, Toby Kebbell, yeah. plays his dad. He very, mm-hmm. very briefly in there, and then oh man, why I'm just forgetting. Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones. Yeah, Felicity Jones. You have as uh, the mother. As the mother, and she's the one that's passing away, and 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 it's. Um, let me see. Who else? Uh, Fucking hell, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver, yeah. I, I just want to highlight, even though we have a good cast here, I want to say uh, Louis McDowell oh, yes. plays the lead here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conor O'Malley is the name of the character. I was looking up his filmography. He has not done anything like big or anything like that before or after, and which surprised me because he gave a great performance in this movie. Uh, and maybe, you know, he's a kid actor. Maybe he just wanted to focus on school after that. But uh, I'm surprised he did not do much. Uh, he didn't have a lot uh, experience in film uh, prior to this. And uh, that, that just took me off uh, by surprise because uh, the way he deals with uh, his emotions with death, it's it. funny enough, it reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy and not because of The Walking Tree because that movie kind of deals with the same uh, thing with the mother passing from Mm -hmm. being terminally ill and rarely does a movie uh, like this work and and by that it's really having a kid's perspective highlighted when dealing with the parent's death i guess if we talk about the ending uh, felicity jones says something to him that was very important and i feel like for those who go through a passing of a parent at a, at that age, it's very important for them to hear uh, that message of it's okay to be angry and it's okay to not know how to feel when letting go. And uh, that one, it, uh, it was a, a very important message that I think kids need to hear. Yeah. And that I, I'm just glad the movie had that message to tell. Uh, 
I'm going to be real. I wish we saved this one for last because okay. I don't think I can talk about this movie without becoming a crying mess. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- This movie hit me hard. It was the only movie I hadn't actually seen on yeah. on the list when presented to us. And, uh, but I'm, it's a movie that I'm glad was put on that list. And I'm, I'm very happy that it's a movie that we can talk about as a kaiju movie mm-hmm. because, you know, there's a giant monster. What more do you need to be classified as a, as a kaiju movie? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like people can, can say, well, it's not really about the, it's not really about the giant monster. How's that a kaiju movie? The best kaiju movies are never about the monster, really. It's always about the stuff around the monster and now more than ever with this movie especially the uh the purpose of kaiju in these movies have always been to be uh metaphors kaiju have always been a metaphor whether it be for the african slave trade like with king kong or the the nuclear bomb like with uh godzilla uh here the monster is grief the monster is is the loss of a a loved one. I re- very recently lost my grandfather to COVID. <laughs> so um, I definitely related to um, the pain the main character faced of slowly losing a, a loved one because it was a it was a long battle. And um, the the part that hit the hardest is, and this is a, a spoiler. I don't know if it's uh, quite okay to say, but just a quick spoiler warning. Tune out for like a split second. That wish for it just to be over already. Mm-hmm. When I had selected this film, it was, and I, and I was talking to Jalen about this before um and i had selected this film in particular for a lot of the context that it had when i discovered it and around that time my father had just had a heart attack and he was in the hospital for a while and we didn't know how that was going to turn out and and i i could tell some of my family was handling it a lot better than i was and I remember watching this movie, and, and Jalen, I'm so sorry. No, um, um, but it, it's it's a it's an in, instant classic in the saddest way because mm-hmm. it because it's elevated to tackle what grief is, knowing that it's going to happen, and you don't know what the outcomes will be, but just knowing that there's something that's going to happen, um, I I think it 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 hit me hard, um around the time that the mother is talking with the son yeah. during that last act and it just didn't stop because you get through that whole scene where they're and and I'm it's spoil like I'm just going to spoil all this because it's important for this conversation mm-hmm. but you throughout the film you get a reoccurring dream of a graveyard and what I what I appreciate is like Jalen was saying it doesn't hold back so you're constantly revisiting this particular dream and it's this state that the character of Connor is wanting to avoid. And it's a physical representation of him having to let go of his mother. 
And yeah. so every time you see it, he's holding on to his mother. Everything's falling apart. Literally, the ground is collapsing. And it's that internal feeling we get when somebody that's close to us is is slipping away or we're unsure that they're slipping away and you want that pain to stop. And it just hurts because you see Connor just cr- lit like physically you see him crumbling with his tears and you see how calm the mother is throughout it mm-hmm. the mom is so calm in his nightmare throughout it and once he finally says his truth which you are constantly reminded like connor you have to say this truth you have to say this truth and finally it happens and connor says that i just want it to be over mm-hmm. and um the movie just continues to mend a ball of sadness inside you that you find something to relate to and it doesn't stop because he falls asleep and you want to just like go there and give him a hug and especially if you're going through something right there you're wanting a hug Mm -hmm. and and then you go immediately into a um, resolution with Connor and his grandmother which that's a whole nother arc in the story itself Mm -hmm. and um, he's quickly reminded you know you and I don't get along but we have one thing in common your mother and you and the movie just keeps going and it's like you're not done you're not done with this feeling (laughs) like you you have to go through all the stages of grief and you see it with connor throughout the movie you see his uh rejection of what's happening you see his anger of what's happening and then all the way to the end when he accepts it and the trees there with the mother um i i have to say that it is probably the most powerful most um humbling last 18 minutes of a film that if you're going through something that you're not sure how you can get out of that emotion, it's going to take it out of you. And in a weird way, it's going to make you feel a little better. Like if you had tears you were holding up, it's going to let it out. Yeah. And um, I, I think that especially now with um, COVID out there and, and, and people um, having these situations in their families, this is a film that I, I think is a film necessary to help people cope and understand what it is they may be feeling inside. And so um, I, I, I really wanted to share this with everybody because, and Jalen again said it right, it's, it's about a monster, but the monster is, it's the grief that builds up inside us. Mm-hmm. And, and this, is, uh, this is amplified in several scenes where you see Connor reacting one way and the monster is doing exactly what Connor's doing. Um, and then of course there's a, there's a particular scene where Connor is, um, trying to push back against his grandmother. He breaks a clock and, and then I can go on and on and on about all this stuff. But, um, at the end of the day, um, I'm, I'm very, um, I, I still cannot watch this movie without crying and thinking back to that moment. (laughs) Like for me, I I can't, and so I, I imagine for for you, Jalen, watching that movie, there's you you have that that memory and 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 that feeling, and so it's it's gonna pull that right out of you. Oh yeah, uh, I I almost uh, when I finished watching the movie, I almost messaged Dylan and me like, man, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was gonna message Emmanuel that after watching it because I I, I didn't expect you know. Uh, two monsters fighting or anything but man yeah this movie uh, it it cuts uh pretty deep uh so i just want to thank emmanuel uh, for recommending it 
it's a it's a movie yeah it's it's necessary it's a very important movie and i know i said for kids you know going through that for losing a family member but even for young adults a- any age you yeah. know to to really help them go through that and uh you know uh if a movie can teach me something i think it did its job and i feel like it gave me a perspective uh, on death itself yeah. uh, that i didn't really think about and so um yeah thank you and i just really want to highlight the artistry in this movie uh, especially when the our giant here uh tells the stories um mm. i i really appreciated the uh the watercolors the shift in mediums yeah yeah i'll add a technical note on all that so you you talked about how the main character um that that plays connor he's he's a brand new actor at the time of this and he hasn't done very much the writer of it is also the author of the book that this is based off of and the Mm -hmm. film didn't come out too Mm -hmm. long after and that's uh, Patrick Ness so Patrick Ness and the artist that drew all the pictures for the original book um, they were inspired by he was very much inspired by those drawings and had a conversation about those drawings and and it was it was a it was a sad story it was a bitter story, but he felt that the watercolor gave it a type of perfect imperfection when they talked. How, like, you get these straight lines, but there's always some imperfection happening in the straight lines. And um, when you, if you were to ever get a copy of A Monster Calls, which I want to say it's in my, my other room, um, those that same design is in the book, too. And nice. so they actually got that same artist to work with the uh, conceptual and animation uh, group that they had for this film and they got to recreate those same drawings but in an animated style that mm-hmm. was like pseudo 3d 2d yeah. um i i feel like it did it way better than what um the uh, harry potter and the half-blood prince did i think it was that one or the one that's after. what it reminded me of yeah, Dude, yeah. i don't even remember that movie so yeah. kudos to you for Th- doing that 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 one <laughs> that one scene where they're showing the the three wizards in there if you've seen that, mm-hmm. it that's kind of the aesthetic that they're that that is shown off right here. But it, it's throughout the film, and it's not just in that. But if you if you wanted to get into the, like the psycho like the psychosis and the psychology of it, like um, Connor's mother when they're when they're drawing and you see them their video of when he was a baby and a kid, um, she wanted to go to art school. She wanted to draw, and her main color and main choice of medium was watercolor. So you get to see that actually happen in the film. And so when you think about that and what's happening there, it all kind of fits in. And then even um, at the end of the film, Patrick Ness wanted a particular part in his book that he never got to add. So he added it into the film to give some more clarity and context of, um, I guess, a way to look to see that, you know, if you feel like you lost somebody in a way, they come back to you. Right. And um, I guess another spoiler, but in one particular scene, the mother says, you know, that tree outside, the yew tree, uh, that's our friend, right? And so you get to the end of the movie, and the end of the movie is not in the book, but Connor gets to go in his mother's old bedroom, and you get to see her old drawing book when she was a kid, and the grandma's been getting that room ready for Connor to, to live in. And Connor opens it and realizes that his mother, since she was a kid, has been drawing the yew tree that Connor has been getting visits from. 
And it's a blink if you miss it part, but in that room, you actually get a picture of Liam Neeson holding up a young version of Felicity Jones and holding mm-hmm. Felicity Jones. And then you kind of you can kind of put two and two together that it's the grandpa. He's the pappy. The pappy. Yeah. The pappy <laughs> came back to uh, take care of Connor like he was taking care of Felicity, too. Man, yeah. where's um, my uh, where's my giant Liam Neeson <laughs> tree therapy monster? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's a great movie. It's a hard one to recommend. Oh, it's an easy recommend for me. It's just you gotta like crying because because I don't know. Like I'm the I'm the kind of guy who's like catharsis is the most powerful is one of the most powerful tools of film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. true. Well, speaking of coping, uh, let's segue into the next movie here. Colossal. This was actually um, Jackson's (laughs) uh, pick here. And uh, this one comes from Neon. Uh, So So, Neon, I regard as uh, A24's uh, edgy cousin. Uh, uh, They're the ones that brought us, you know, uh, Parasite. Just ruining the wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, and in good fashion, because this movie is about uh, Gloria, who is a out-of-work party girl who lives in New York and moves back to ho- her hometown after getting kicked out of her apartment by her boyfriend. Yeah. And when news reports surface that a giant creature is destroying uh, South Korea, Gloria gradually comes to the realization that she is, in fact, in control of this monster. And uh, the Gloria is played by Anne Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, uh, I don't, I haven't really seen too much of Anne Hathaway to really get a, a feel of her, but uh, she's great in this. Really? I, yeah, you haven't I, I seen re- so much of Anne Hathaway. Uh, no, I mean Princess Diaries, uh, the the Batman movies. Uh, I can't really say I've seen much of her. Devil's Wear no. Prada. Hmm. Yeah, I've never seen uh, Devil Wears Prada. Huh. Uh, no lame is. Uh, I've seen bits of Les Mis, and none of them were with her. Oh. It was all Russell Crowe, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this movie you could watch on Hulu right now, actually, and it also has Jason Sudeikis. He, he he's a treat, isn't he? He's brilliant in this movie. Yeah, this again, your non-typical kaiju movie, mm-hmm. and I like the premise. I I liked it. Uh, did any of you did? Both of you watch it on Hulu as well, or how did yes, you watch it? Because I, wa- I have a question. I watched it there. Hulu. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did any of you get a weird? Uh, there were like weird edits yes. in your version. Yes, it was kind of choppy in a few parts. Like particular for me, um, I think it was like the second time you're you're seeing. I think it's like Soul when she's trying to demonstrate to everybody what's going on. It was kind of weird and choppy. Uh, I first saw this movie on Hulu, so. I don't really have a point of uh, a point of comparison, but uh, I, I can't say I did notice when I had watched it. Okay, there's just a few scenes that would do a chop, like they would repeat a line. Really, um, and it was huh. it's a, it was a direct cut. Uh, I think one of them was uh, from uh, what's his name, no, Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, he was mon- he was monologuing, and then uh, oh yeah, he, who was he in uh, HBO's Watchmen? Um, Looking Glass. If any of you saw HBO's Watchmen, I, I, I didn't see that. But but yeah, uh, I, just weird to me. I and I was writing it in my notes because I noticed it noticed it a second time throughout the movie, and 
I was like, is this on purpose? Is this a theme going on? Like a choppy edit? But I think it was just Hulu. So uh, shame on you, Hulu. Was this, uh, <laughs> Fix it. Was this your first time watching it? Yeah. On, on Hulu yeah. recently? The same with you, Emmanuel? Yes. Full, full disclaimer, all these movies were first time for me. Okay. Because yeah. uh, the only one that was the first time for me was A, Monsters, a Monster Calls. But yeah. I've shown Colossus to several people. Uh, Colossal uh, to several people on hulu and i can't recall ever seeing anything weird like that so that must be recent because I, yeah. I, I i actually didn't revisit this one <laughs> I, I seen it like four times already oh wow so you're yeah. you're a fan of this movie i am i am great yeah i um i have a couple problems with the movie um but uh one of them being uh jason sudeikis uh i i think his uh he has a he has an arc in this movie that i thought was a little rushed or at least i didn't i felt like it wasn't as uh i don't know it it didn't seem like an authentic growth in his character uh but maybe that was just a movie of kind of saying hey he's not all that he seems to be yeah Um, uh, i i don't think it's necessarily so much that he grew to become that it's just that's what it was and the mask slipped okay huh okay yeah, I, I kind of want to rewatch this movie because just for that. What what's very interesting? Uh, sorry, uh, what's what's an interesting what's interesting to watch about the uh, with this movie is um, I, I watched it with my girlfriend and then I, I recommended it to uh, another friend of mine and he watched it with his girlfriend and the response uh, from the partner's end is usually like I can't watch this. This is too real. Oh wow! So that's the perspective that this film offers. I- yeah, this movie again, uh, the Kaiju's re- really take a backseat to this uh, to the story, and I think the forefront is uh, alcoholism and, of course, uh, domestic abuse, mm-hmm. abuse, and gaslighting, I th- just like toxic yeah. relationships in general. Yeah, it was very uncomfortable at a certain part, and uh, a a part of me was, and I think this is bad for me to do, but uh, kind of screaming at the at Anne Hathaway, saying, "Why are you making the choices you're making?" <laughs> uh, and uh, when it came to the relationships, uh, mm-hmm. I know we're getting right into it, but like uh, Jason Sudeikis uh, seems to have like some type of possession over her, and in my head, uh, I just feel bad for. Her. Uh, Gloria yeah, in well, this she's, scenario. She's trapped in that relationship because he's essentially using the um, the the sale uh, situation to keep her in that relationship, essentially. Whether or not yeah. it is romantic or not. Also, uh, I guess, well, like, yeah, I want to rewatch it just because of the point you brought up about the mask <laughs> just coming off. Because I just thought it was really abrupt uh, of Sudeikis. Because when he when he first meets her in the when, when he first runs into her, he almost sounds resentful when talking to her about how she moved away and how he stayed there. Mm. And so, it, like my my perspective on it and the perspective I've gotten from others is just like, no, that's just how he is. Like get, he was, giving the constant guilt trip to get you back yes. into order for him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he's just an a-hole <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Uh, th- there was one guy uh, in there, one of the guys that Anne Hathaway hangs out with, 
And uh, I just wrote down Eli Manning because that's what he looks like to me. Uh, the quarterback for the New York Giants or former. I don't know if he still is. But anyways. Knicks, baby. <laughs> he, uh, he frustrated me the most because there was times where there was obviously abuse going on and he did nothing. In my head, I'm like, well, you're not the one that's trapped in this relationship. You can intervene and do something about it. Uh, and he just, there was times where he just stood there and did nothing. Uh, to me, I was just kind of frustrated with that. But also, like, how many times, like, do people have friends like that? It was like, no, he's a good guy. He doesn't mean it that way. Yeah. And also, going back to uh, Tim uh, Blake Nelson, uh, poor guy. <laughs> he's the, uh, the, he's the last a... <laughs> time we see him, he just gets. Uh, just called out and uh kind of shunned away uh, poor i felt bad for the actor himself I'm like man so you're gonna go out what kind of small town is this because like jason sudeikis is not happy with his life who he runs a business he could take vacations i don't know why he feels like he's trapped in this town i mean he can, it, he can go to vegas every once in a while uh, let some steam off it's more so that he never got to do what he wanted to do with his life because that business was a hand-me-down from his father mm. okay and so it becomes like an obligation for him to stay there it's in that yes sense. it's it's an obligation more so than like because he resents gloria for going out there to do what she wants to do with her life and the, okay. du- the dude's a huge narcissist and yeah. feels the need to, like, place himself at the top of a totem pole in his friend groups. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Gloria's existence is a is a threat to that placement on the totem pole. That That's my reading of the movie. Yeah, he's a very he's a very manufactured, which is funny considering what happens later. He's a very manufactured person in that mm-hmm. role where she's naturally put into the role with the friend group and he's constantly mm. doing favors for her to try and stay on her good uh, on her good side because like most narcissists will do stuff to make to make them, them themselves look like good people they'll constantly do favors to you so that they care so much about what other people think of them i have a problem with the logic <laughs> of the monster, I the, I, I wish, uh, and this is me nitpicking. I know it's not about the kaiju's; it's more about Anne Hathaway and her character. But I just thought it was a little far fetched on the origin of the kaiju's, and then like the uh, just the overall uh, how it operates. I felt like it was like that was on purpose, like to have fun mm-hmm. with it, because it's like two completely different movies from point to point even to the, like even when they're trying to look at what's happening with her and the monster in unison but like whenever you you're with the monster the majority of the time like it, it's like a classic kaiju movie yes. and so mm-hmm. when when it comes to like the the logic of of all of that and the logistics of all that it's like kind of out the window in that sense and it's more of like okay pay attention to the, the actual connection that's happening right here it's more so about using the monsters as metaphor again and it's it's using comic book logic, right? <laughs> it, it, it's like, oh yeah, the Fantastic Four—they got pelted by uh by space rays, right? And then they got superpowers. And then you know you, you don't look at that and go, well, they should have just gotten cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, she it, got it, struck it, by lightning. It it is far fetched, <laughs> but you know it's 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 an excuse for the plot to happen, and I think that's fine. Now, question. 
What did you all think of the visual effects of the monster? Oh, they're garbage. But uh... <laughs> well, okay, but, okay. The robot, like the mech, is garbage. Okay, I actually like the mech more than I like the the monster. Oh wow, the mech because design I... has great lighting. Yeah, and, and I noticed that the second time around. I don't know if it like it was because of the movies that came out at the time or not, and I, I really don't know what it was. But the lighting that's on the mech during their fight looks so good. Um, I don't know why, but like the other monster, the main one, just looks so glossy. And so when yeah. when when they're fighting, it just it the monster itself sticks out like a sore thumb. But I will say that anytime you see the feet of the monster and it's like walking around and crushing stuff in the city, like I always thought that looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, the I think I think it's just a budgetary thing, right? Yeah. Like uh, this is very clearly not a very high budget movie. And so this movie had the budget of a Hallmark movie <laughs> yeah. down to the premise. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, I'm going to look up the budget right now. If you put right Kaiju in a, in a Hallmark movie. Um <laughs> but in regards to the special effects, uh, I feel that explains like the shinier look to the monster. Yeah. And so I mm. feel that low budget, shiny look worked for the robot because it looks like a giant sci-fi toy. $15 million budget is what it had. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yikes. <laughs> and that's because you have a, a pretty good cast here. I mean, again, that's where Hathaway. the budget went. <laughs> it's like cast <laughs> small town and then we gotta put whatever's left into those monsters yeah. we bought a town we bought a zoo um <laughs> yeah i i think this one i didn't enjoy as much as the others i don't know i i just couldn't maybe i guess i was just looking for an answer because uh, i was really <laughs> really I, I love the premise so much of a woman can control kaiju with her mind and I was like, oh, like, how are they going to explain this? Like, how, like, what's, I wanted the curtain to be unraveled at the end. And it, it kind of wasn't. And I was like, ah, like, okay, fine. And then I went back to the human characters. And Anne Hathaway, uh, as good as she was, it was really hard to root for her. <laughs> she was a terrible person. Uh, <laughs> like, taking advantage of her boyfriend. And then she runs into Jason Sudeikis, who is an a-hole. And, well, the boyfriend uh, wasn't much better either exactly and it just felt like she was stuck in the middle like um either way she's doomed that's life though (laughs) and 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 i mean like considering that too like either way she's doomed in whatever direction she goes i mean that i think that's what fits so well with her analogy her metaphor being that monster out there Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's like no matter where the monster is going to step even if it doesn't mean to it's going to crush something and if it has intention to do something for itself it's still going to mess something up and and so her life being as as messed up and chaotic as it is just reflects so perfectly onto that particular kaiju. Well, I will say uh, to kind of end it off here, the end of the movie is great. I, I loved the last ten minutes of this movie mm-hmm. down to the last, the very last scene, the last moment of the movie. Uh, I thought was just a great way to wrap up the entire movie as a whole spoilers she walks into a bar <laughs> and is just yeah, sobbing yeah. after everything that's gone on and uh <laughs> the bartender's like do you want a drink and she's like oh crap like <laughs> not again like yeah. this is how i ended up in this mess i love that uh so i want to give it another watch i, I do uh, I, now I, think, that I... I think it warrants another watch yes definitely and I, I think i just need to watch it from a different type of perspective because i just wanted 
I, I wanted the answer. I, there was a few shots where I was like, this has to go somewhere. And it's every time she looks at some apartment complexes or and there's like a, a the lightning house. strike, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Something, I don't know. Like, I don't know why they, they go back to that shot like five times in the movie. And I was like, are they going to go to that apartment complex? Are they going to find the answer to the connection? And they never did. And I was a little underwhelmed at that, but I, I feel like I just need to go back into the movie and be like, that's not what the movie's about. <laughs> I'll definitely rewatch this one for sure. Came out the same year as a uh, monster Calls, Yeah. Too. Yeah, and while I do prefer like Diamond and Monster Calls uh, uh, to this, uh, like I said, it, it's a movie I love introducing to uh, to people, especially who people who don't really like kaiju movies. I, I like showing it to them and being like, "Well, maybe maybe give this one a shot." It, it's the mo- the monster stuff takes a backseat, which you know we, we've we've said time and time and again that uh, that's what makes a great kaiju movie. It's the gateway drug to kaiju movies. Soon you'll be slurping up the garbage, too. (laughs) It is very interesting that we bring that up, like, avenues for people to get into kaiju films. Because I remember showing a monster calls to my girlfriend this year. And um, she didn't want to watch it because, like, oh, there's a monster on the front. Like, no, I'm good. I don't like I don't like big monster movies. I was like, no, 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 it's not. It's not even about that. Like, it's about a boy who's going to lose his mom. She's like, well, that's sad. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, just just watch it. <laughs> and then yeah. you fast forward and you know how it, it hits everybody in a different way. But yeah. she wasn't expecting it. And I think, like, when you find these kind of kaiju movies that ha- are able to do these different things or give us a different message, that's when you're able to intrigue that person. Because I think just the general exposure to different kinds of kaiju movie. I think entices them to be more open to watching movies like that. Cause then you fast forward and now she's more open to watching Godzilla versus Khan. And she's yeah. like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'll check that out. It's the same. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you, you hit him, you, you hit him with like a, something a little bit more intellectual with it and then get, get them to have fun with it. Mm, soon you'll slurp up the garbage too. Mm-hmm. Come on. It's fun. Well, we went over to England we came to America to see, you know, because we're not too good on the uh, the kaiju, uh, the scoreboard there when it comes to us tackling uh, this genre. But, uh, you know, Colossal is good, right? So let's go back to Japan. Let's go back to our roots here. And uh, Jalen, you, you're yes. you're the last movie here that we're going to talk about. I, uh, I wanted one movie uh, here that could be, this is the most traditional out of the the movies we've picked but even then it's not a very traditional kaiju movie uh i picked gamera the brave and i went back and forth between picking this or gamera guardian the of the universe because gamera the guardian of the universe is arguably the more popular one it's the one that more people talk about it so it's the one that has more people talking about it which is why i didn't i think gamera the brave deserves some respect <laughs> in 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 this house because i think it's such a perfect introduction to gamera as a concept and, and the, the the fun thing about this movie is uh the creator of gamera despite the 90s trilogy being 
critically acclaimed, despite being held up as the pinnacle of kaiju cinema, the 90s trilogy is not liked by the creator of Gamera. Oh. Because it's too dark. It's too adult. Gamera the Brave, on the other hand, he loves. Because it goes back to the root of what Gamera was created to be. Children's Fair. Gamera was always supposed to be the kid-friendly alternative to Godzilla. And uh, the creator of Gamera always felt that the heart of Gamera lied in him being friend to all children. And so it was interesting seeing a movie tackle that and try to take it seriously and not become a cheese fest like some of the Showa era Gamera movies could be considered. So I'm very curious to see what you all thought of it because if if I were a Hollywood producer and I wanted to bring Gamera to the West, I would look at this movie. I would look at the Iron Giant approach to Gamera. Oh, that's a good way of putting this one. I'm so glad you recommended this movie before introducing me to, and I know you've been recommending it, the Heisei era trilogy uh, of Gamera. Because this movie, Gamera the Brave, was giving me Clifford vibes, E.T. vibes, yes. the Iron Giant vibes. This movie was just so uh, just so wholesome. Just It felt good. Even though the movie deals with some things, you know, uh, kind of like A Monster Calls. Our lead here, a young boy, Toru, is dealing with the passing of his mother. And I love how Gamera is not really Gamera in this movie. Mm-hmm. He takes off on the name of Toto, which was the nickname for the son given by the mom. So it's already dealing with that. You kind of already know what this movie is going to be about. And you don't mind that the movie kind of already told you that because mm-hmm. uh, you're you're just enjoying the ride. This is a movie that wears its heart on its sleeve. And I think it's beautiful for it. Yeah, I loved this movie. And I'm so happy I got to watch this movie before watching the Dark Knight trilogy uh, of uh, kaiju movies, yeah. uh, some would say. It, it just felt like a great movie. Uh, there was a direct scene that was taken from E.T. and I didn't mind at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, and I was just happy the whole way through. I, I was smiling up until things get real at the end. But <laughs> uh, for the most part, I, I was I was enjoying the ride. And not to say I didn't like the ending. Uh, I loved it too. Yeah. I love how it mixes tones a little. Yes. Uh, the way children's movies should. Mm-hmm. Just because it's a kid's movie doesn't mean it can't be dark and can't show some uh, mature things at times. I mean, look at Never Ending Story. You yeah, know, yeah. the things exactly. they show and talk about. Yeah, this movie was a, it was a delight. And I'm glad <laughs> I was talking to Jalen about this. I had watched, I started to watch this movie uh, dubbed. <laughs> and I've never, hey, I know as much anime as I know kaiju, and that's nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I do know uh, there's a debate of, you know, whether you watch it dubbed or subbed. And I'm glad I rewatched it uh, subbed. The actors here are, are great. Uh, I love our main character here, uh, Toru. And uh, down to even the puppeteering of Gamera. Gamera looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has so so much character to him. And uh, I don't know if I'll get that in the uh, the Heisei uh, trilogy. Oh, the but... suits are immaculate in the Heisei trilogy, too. Um, 
uh, early on, uh, Gamma Guardian of the Universe has it's lower budget than the rest, but the special effects are top notch too. Yeah, I, I would say Gamma the Brave looks cheaper than the Heisei trilogy. See, I had seen the Heisei, Heisei series of Gamma, and I hadn't seen this one. So when I saw this one on there, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna check this out." <laughs> <laughs> and um, I realized, like, okay, I, I had seen some clips of this, and I think it was exactly for that point that you were saying, like, it, it just looked cheaper than the other ones. And so I'd always had the assumption, like, oh, this was, like, a early one. Like, this was an older one, right? And I was completely wrong, but um, I will say that I was I was very surprised. I thought the exact same thing. I was like, this is, like, E.T., this is, like, Iron Giant. Well, more, more thinking more so Iron Giant now that you've brought it up. At times, I was getting Stranger Things vibes, yeah. uh, like more so like season two uh, of Stranger <laughs> Things, and um, I really dug the design of Toto when he's he's smaller, mm-hmm. um, and I like that they kind of like gave him that humanized personality, like he was just full of expressions, like from the small puppeteering to the full on suit that he get like that they give to show him in his big form, and um, the monsters they chose. Whereas the antagonist, I didn't really think was like that great. Like he looked kind of cheap to me. <laughs> yeah, Zayas uh, is, is the uh, I think that's his name is the weakest part of this movie. Yeah, like that. Zaytus, it, it, it's yeah. it to me like that was the the fighting itself. Like the suitmation that they had was not as good as the Heisei. But I will say the way they show scale and like depth, like. There's like a couple specific scenes, like when you see them fighting from a distance, like you can see the heat waves, yeah, and and it's just like such a little detail like that that I really like how it looks far away. But when they were up close, I didn't like. But any time that like it was Toto when he was smaller, or the kids were interacting with him, I, I just I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a yeah. lot, and and I have to say that um, when if you're looking for like a pair of movies. Definitely, I would say like a Monster Calls and this like back to back. If you're wanting to let some tears out, you watch Monster Calls. If you're wanting to feel good by the end of it and and have something of similar theme, kind of, then you go straight to this one. Yeah, because um, I I enjoyed <laughs> this is the recovery. From this Monster is the recovery, Calls. and and that's exactly what this one was. <laughs> this one was the recovery for me. Oh, this it, is how you watched it. Yeah. So. <laughs> So afterwards, I was like, like I, I was just like, okay, I need a bit. Let me come to this, and then I was like, oh, okay, I feel better. <laughs> I feel, <laughs> I feel a lot better. I did appreciate the like little bits of, um, of, of like flashbacks to yeah. the older one, and I wasn't expecting that, so that was pretty cool to see. Um, I will say that I was not surprised that it was still as violent, like in terms of the mon- like the kaiju fighting. Gamera is notoriously violent, even in the Showa era. That took me by surprise. It did. It took me by surprise, too. And I was worried because of, like, the initial, like, theme, like, just how the suit looked at first and everything and how the little, like, what the where the story was going. I was like, I don't think it's going to get that violent. And then it gets violent. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. But it, I feel like it hits you even harder. Like, you're not expecting that type no, of violence. I mean, you both having history with Gamera and all that. But for me, I mean, yeah, I kind of felt the same way, Emmanuel, like about like, oh, it being a kid's movie, it's going to be fine. The end battle is going to be cute. No, Zadis's freaking tongue spear gets Gamera really good. There's one shot where he gets him through the hand. 
he like gets him in the gut, like yeah. in the thigh area, yeah. <laughs> when his little turtle butt sticking out of that yeah. uh, building. And you feel so bad for. Uh, but it's so uh, satisfying when he rips it out, and I'm just like, yeah, oh, there you go, oh, man. Yeah, because because I feel like this was the. I know, like the Millennia series of Godzilla was was aiming for like this is a younger Godzilla, blah blah blah. It's like, but I feel I felt like after watching this one, it was no, th- this is the young Godzilla Junior I wanted from the Heisei series. Yes, the sc- scrappy little fella. Yeah, just like yeah, exactly, just scrappy little fella, like getting his own monster, getting his own adventure. But I I really do feel that it's contrasted well with what's going on with the the kid in there. And then what happens at the end of this? Just it's it is a it's a little gem. I consider it a gem in, in kaiju films, and I'm really happy that this was on the list. If for anything, but I wasn't expecting to enjoy this. And even though I initially wasn't thinking this was going to be as good as the Heisei ones because of my little issues with the costuming of the monsters, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of it all, I actually enjoy this more than the Heisei ones. And I think that's just because of the overall story and like the lead up to the fight. I don't know. That's just me, though. But I, I, I enjoyed it. I agree. That is my hot take, too. I like this more than the Heisei trilogy. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say the Heisei trilogy is bad. The Heisei trilogy is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But the story of this one and the characterization of this one is better. After watching it, I felt like, you know, very similar to what you were saying earlier. But I, after watching it, I was like, what if Pixar, like, picked this up and turned this into a film? Like, right, turned yeah. it into an animated film. I was like, I, I could see this happening or something similar to this. I, I think this would be cool. Did you hear happen. that uh, that's kind of what they're doing with Ultraman? I have. I have heard about that. But uh, that's another uh, another little topic. I don't want to get yeah. into a side <laughs> tangent. But, uh, yeah, it makes me so happy to hear that you both enjoyed this movie. Oh, yeah. I, uh, down to, like, learning about Japanese culture a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and American influence because, like, kids are skateboarding over there. And I had no idea uh, Japanese kids were down like that back in uh, 2006. <laughs> and that's, like, the height of, like, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 <laughs> era. And I was like, oh, it's cool. And even down to uh, Toto, uh, they even reference Wizard of Oz. They, they even yeah. say, like, oh... Like the she treated him like a little puppy. I'm like, oh, that's 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 cute, cute. Uh, little things. I I would just want to point out Tatsuya, who is one of the kids, the little gang of friends yeah. that uh, Toru's hangs out with. That kid goes through a lot. Yes, uh, that he kid does. <laughs> sees him possibly his family and neighbors get eaten by uh, Zudas, and even after that, he is ready to go into the city where there's two giant monsters fighting to find this girl in a hospital that might not even be there by the time they get mm-hmm. there. And and you even see like he's all scarred up. He's got a bandaid on his face, but he's pissed. He's ready to go. I love Tatsuya. Uh, I just put down Tatsuya is an OG. Yeah. He, <laughs> he sticks by his friends and he's, he was ready to go take down the government Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was ready to beat some military ass and i, I loved him <laughs> for that i i just love the whole relay race of the kids yes that's my favorite <laughs> oh, scene oh, yeah. in the movie with the red she- uh, shell it doesn't really make sense it uh, just feels good though 
Because yeah, you're, like, you're like, go, go, let's do this. <laughs> yes, I, I was rooting for every one of the kids. And I love a kid would stop and another kid would just show up. Hey, is that for Toto? <laughs> and they kept hey, going. Hey, does Gamera need help? That And, that, and that's kind of like the feeling that those old movies would have. Where the kids would inexplicably know that Gamera is in trouble and like try to help him. But it, it was just like such a neat way of doing it. And, and I got so hyped when I saw Gamera being uh, fully grown to where they needed a human in the suit. And then you had Judas. Uh, I'm sure someone's in the suit. But then I see miniatures around them. And I was just getting Power Ranger vibes. Yeah. I, was like, I, I felt like a kid again. I was ready. On top of the building, Zudas does a wrestling move to Gamera. He, he does. He I know. Does. I think it, they call it a hurricanrana, maybe. <laughs> I know I should have been rooting for Gamera at that point, but that was such a cool move. I was like, I'll, I'll give you that one, Zudas. And, uh, and, and do you know, cool. as much as Zayas is a, a weak Gamera villain, I think he works almost perfectly for this movie because it's not about the villain. Yeah, it didn't really make sense. I mean, he, he could swim too. Okay, He just great. shows up. Where did he come from? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, There's a monster it, that needs to be beaten up. <laughs> yeah, and I completely forgot that Gamera flies. That's that's Gamera's thing. How? Do... <laughs> Again, this is my first exposure to right. Gamera. All I know is that he's a giant turtle. And when he started flying, when he was like a little baby, I literally said like, oh, he can fly? <laughs> like. <laughs> I felt like a genuine kid watching this movie, uh, and I think not knowing the history of Gamera like before really helped with that. And to the point where I do want to watch this movie with my little brother, who just knows King Kong and Godzilla, like yeah. that's all he knows right now, and he doesn't even know about Gamera. So I kind of want to watch. I want this to be the introductory uh, movie to that franchise for him. I have one last thing to add, and it and it, it's just a little thing. I have a thing for like, like laughing at at ragdoll effects. And yeah. there's one there's yeah, one yeah. particular scene where like he it's when Toto's a baby turtle, <laughs> and you see him like go like he just falls down. I don't know why, <laughs> but for some reason, like that particular part, I have to rewind it just because it looks so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we almost saw Gamera be a turtle suit. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 the my, one of my one of the things uh, about the Gamera series in general that uh, makes a lot of sense to me is the Heisei Gamera trilogy was made by fans of Godzilla, mm. who couldn't make a Godzilla movie, so they made a Gamera movie. Gamera the Brave was made by fans of Gamera, mm. and I think that perfectly explains why this movie is the way it is why it's just such a feel-good romp that it, it makes you want to like like you said it makes you want to grab your younger sibling and be like hey look at this yeah i can't wait and i know this is gonna be a real quick sidebar but it has to do with camera did has anyone seen the footage of uh, this special effects artist making a godzilla versus gamera yes. like short movie yeah it's awesome i think we God, i think we that mentioned looks... that last time like after our, our no this versus... was recent oh yeah this is recent then no i haven't uh, seen that one it looks beautiful i'm gonna look uh, that I... up right now footage itself looks amazing man wh whoa okay i have not oh, i have it? not seen this one. Oh god man when is gamera coming back <laughs> <laughs> 
his last movie was two. This is the last Gamera movie. Really, the Brave. The Gamera, the Brave is the last Gamera movie. Wow. And there were rumors. No, not rumors. Uh, Dae Katakawa uh, outright said in 2016. Hey, we're making another Gamera. And they released like a trailer slash teaser footage of it. And it was more clearly inspired by the Heisei Gamera. But still, mm. I'm down for more Gamera. Yeah. And then nothing. I'm so glad you recommended this type of movie because it shows, I mean, Godzilla from birth was just a dark concept. And to know that Gamera was the other side of that coin to mm-hmm. be light and joyful and a symbol of hope for kids. Yeah. And it's great that this movie, it being the last movie, was pretty much the origin of what Gamera was always supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's that's beautiful. It's like it is. Poetry. <laughs> I, I love this movie dearly. It's one of my favorite Kaiser movies. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to see more movies like that. What did you think, Emmanuel? You just watched it? I like, I like that. That's way better than what I saw a long time ago. I was like, That's it was a, very short. Cause That's a from good what clip. I've seen, yeah, that was a very good clip. But the zoom, that that like zoom in though, I, I just oh yeah yeah, <laughs> I like yeah, it. It makes me sad that Toho outright hates Gamera because to <laughs> to this day they still look at him and go like, oh that rip off. <laughs> because. Daie has gone to Toho multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, you wanna? Wouldn't it be cool if we know? <laughs> oh, they're just like, hey, can you play with me? Can you? <laughs> exactly. Toho, like a big brother, is like, get out of my room, <laughs> please. Yeah, to- Toho's uh, Zetas and uh, Daie is a <laughs> is um little little baby camera. <laughs> Well, uh, I just want to thank all of you. Uh, th- Jackson, uh, Jackson just wanted to say he, because uh, of course he got crushed from uh, by a kaiju, but it was um, Zetas. <laughs> uh, he just wanted to say um, via text. I guess you can text in the afterlife. Uh, he just wanted to thank Jalen for Gamera for recommending Gamera. So I'm guessing he really loved it I'm, because that's I'm the, assuming he liked it. If that's yeah, that's the only thing he commented. Yeah, that's all he said. He just said. Tell Jalen thank you for camera. So those are his thoughts on camera. I am always more than happy to spread the gospel of camera. I'm so happy that we got to get together and talk about kaijus. Kaiju. Sorry. Yes. Kaiju. Yes. Uh, it was fun. It was great. Mm-hmm. I know both of you are not big on the social medias. So I have a question for both of you. Okay. What are you guys yeah. going to dress up as for Halloween? Marty McFly. Nice. Uh, either Michael Myers or I'm busting out my inflatable Godzilla suit again. Ooh, that sounds cool. Oh, you have one? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, then I might bust out my T-Rex Jurassic Park uh, inflatable suit and maybe we'll meet up on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> They're essentially masks, right? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, six feet apart, we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll mime a fight. But uh, thank you so much, uh, both of you, for joining me on this kaiju corner episode and i can't wait to join up again and maybe we'll talk about that uh gamera trilogy and uh just have a good old time maybe jackson might be here next time anything to plug by any chance uh, no plugs nothing for now no plugs mm-hmm. uh great. check out crime scene arcanum on uh, spotify it's a podcast i'm in great and you can follow me on my personal Twitter, Dylan MM5. That's right, D Y L A N M M5. Jackson, uh, you can follow him at Jackson DML. 
Jackson, we love you. Hopefully, you'll be alive in the next episode. Uh, <laughs> and you can follow the Cinema Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can listen to us on all the platforms that podcasts are available. This is the Cinema Show. Remember, all films are subjective, and it's all about perspective. Have a great day and a better tomorrow. Screw it.